you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL Podcast. Never lost to Dallas. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and a little Patrick Claibon for you on a Monday. Hey, Greg. Hey. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. A little different. Dan Hansis not in the house. Colleen Wolf also on vacation. I believe they're both on the East Coast. Dan, hopefully, you know. Not together. Not together, no. Hope Dan can hopefully survive. <laughs> Breaking know, news drop. <laughs> the, the mean streets of Westchester County for uh, a couple of weeks, and so we'll welcome him back when he does. I do like the minute Dan leaves, Greg digs right in on the childhood <laughs> home front <laughs> after just, taking many shots himself. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, it's it's a tough town that he grew up on from what I hear. Nah. Just want to make sure he, he's safe. Slinging heat from the back of that strawberry truck. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What happened this this weekend with this group? Uh, I did some more house stuff. <laughs> Had Henry over Saturday. Let, yesterday, with Tiffany Blackman came over, and then we went to oh, wow. uh, Comedy Club last night. Nice. Wes is having a better summer than all of us. Yeah, I'd say essentially Thanks. you did 1,000% more than <laughs> I accomplished over the two days that we were gone. Yeah. I, I just sat with my child for two days. Mm, and we nothing wrong with that. Watched soccer, and he uh, defecated and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds like. Sounds like my week. He's 15, 16 now. How old is he? A lot of depth. Uh, it, it, <laughs> he'll be 18 uh, by tomorrow. We we should warn our listeners, Patrick Claybon is doing us a solid doing this podcast uh, during an actual news anchor shift. So if some crazy story happened, not only would we go breaking news like we normally do in the show, Claybon would just have to leave. Yeah, I would have to leave, and, and we have to – you guys are doing me the solid. I mean, I get to come up here and hang out with you guys, whereas I would just be sitting in my chair waiting for nothing to happen because it's June 25th. Well, on what percentage of shifts where you think things are going smoothly, and let's put it just in the off season because the regular okay. season, we break everything. Yes. Like a blade of grass could grow in Dallas and it's breaking news on our network. So, for two But hours. in the off season, when it's quiet like this, what percentage of, of any of your shifts are interrupted by real news? I would say 17%. Okay. Odds yeah. in our favor. Greg would take the field here. We're going yeah. 80. <laughs> and that's and that's why we're doing this. I, I'm I'm taking the field, and uh, I'm also taking Wes, I got to admit, uh, in a later part of the show. We mentioned how Wes has just been having a great offseason. And, you know, the, during this time of the offseason, it's confusing for NFL fans out there. There's no scores. You don't know who won, who lost in the middle of June. Well, that's where we come in. We're going to decide on this show the first time ever the off-season champion of the NFL. Mm. And I and uh, a little spoiler alert, Wes is one of the, the factors in this tournament. 
My cup overfloweth. I dare someone <laughs> to try to take me down. Yeah, there are some stiff challengers, though. Just you know, hang around for that segment. It, it's a it's a bracket style tournament. People love the brackets, and we are going to choose who is the off season champion. We also have some some news. A little Jameis Winston uh, update for you. Some Jabbar Gaffney updates. Everyone's been looking for, especially Claybon. Yes. You're a huge old Florida fan. Just got to keep track of obscure SEC players from a couple of decades ago. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll have the latest from Mark's, you know, burgeoning social media accounts. <laughs> uh, yes. Well said, Greg. Let's forge you really, in. You really do have, like, the best social media game of the Around the NFL podcast. I sort of st- that, I've right? stopped using Twitter almost entirely outside of maybe a few retweets or one, one or two mm. crafted tweets a week. So I would argue I do not. Instagram, your, though. Your competition isn't very fierce. Well, I guess Clay, if Claybon's included, Claybon is then a world-class well, yeah, I, a great we, we all know I'm, I'm a volume shooter, but when you, <laughs> when you come and only drop like two tweets a week, but they, they're just murderous they're in quality. I mean, I mean, I've been told by people in the know that when you when you vanish to that extent, that like you're not even on their little algorithm, so it doesn't matter what heat wow. you bring. you got to keep tweeting to stay in people's worlds. A little Wait, tip for you there. Don't Greg. live your life to adjust to an algorithm. Well, nor have I. Okay. You, I feel like you know the Instagram put that algorithm pretty yeah. well. You got a lot going on there. Hammered into our head last week during the media summit. <laughs> At least someone was listening. All right. Lindsay Fulton <laughs> behind the glass has a lot of work to do today. A lot of music involved in this bracket showdown later. But first, we'll do some news. I would call myself a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that's That's not going away in That's from the winners <laughs> and losers segment. <laughs> uh, we start... Unfortunately, with how we ended the show on Thursday, the news was just breaking then uh, that Jameis Winston is expected to be suspended three games from the NFL. We still have not heard uh, from the NFL the official suspension, but we have uh, gotten a few updates on that story since we logged off, and it is the biggest story in the NFL right now. Uh, First of all, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network reports uh, that Ronald Darby, who – originally kind of backed Jameis Winston's story that he was in the Uber where Winston is alleged to have groped uh, a female driver. Ultimately, the NFL decided it didn't hold water because there was another Ubered car called later in the night in which Winston was a, reportedly by himself. That was also confirmed by ESPN's Outside the Lines, who has uh, another man who is in the car with Winston Early in the night, and apparently this confirms the Uber driver's story uh, in which she filed a complaint to Uber that she was with Winston in the car. So some inconsistencies in what Jameis Winston had said publicly. And I wanted to just put this out there at least as an update for today because I I do think it's important that the Buccaneers really back Jameis Winston and what his side of the story was publicly the first time around. And now that the NFL has reportedly found uh, that his story really wasn't consistent or wasn't the full truth uh, is significant, I think, in terms of how how he's viewed in that organization. Yes, because like you said, the first Uber drive, Banks and Darby were in the car with him. Banks is the name of of the man that ESPN spoke with. Yeah, there is a the lawyer of him. Two in the morning Uber drive later, in which allegedly Jameis was acting like such a fool that everyone in the bar said, we got to put this guy in an Uber by himself and get him out of here because he's being such a fool. And then that's when the alleged incident happened. Jameis Winston did not tell the NFL or the Buccaneers that he had his Uber privileges revoked. He basically didn't tell anyone about this. And considering sexual assault allegation at Florida State in which the university paid $950,000 to his accuser and another assault allegation on top of it, I think there's enough here if you're the Buccaneers. You say, can this guy be the face of our franchise when he's in need of a new contract? And really, any organization, person that's involved in this incident or any this kind of incident, the very first thing, whether than like posturing or making statements in support of, is to tell us what happened. Like 6.08 p.m., 9.07 p.m., what actually happened? And build out the story of what happened based on reporting, based on your investigation, based on what they say, based on what other people say. And then everything else can follow that. Right. But but I feel like we're finding out so many new details now after the fact where why 
obviously, if if somebody has incentive to not provide the whole story, that's what they're going to do. Well, I think also in the, from the team, I, I just don't get it. Unruly was the words used to describe him at the end of the night of, of drinking out at this uh, this nightclub, and the people around him uh, were part of that too. It certain sounds like, and so you can see why there would be whenever that's the case, multiple points of view, multiple storylines. But when you're in the in the world of whether you were alone with an Uber driver or not, I don't can't think of a time ever not remembering how many people were in an Uber that I was in, especially if it was myself. Like you can't have that part of the story break down into what appears to be dishonesty from point from point one on. And to be clear, the NFL hasn't said how many games, and Mike Garofolo and Ian Rappaport have said it's going to be several. They have not said three. Now, Mike reported that it could be more than three. Uh, or or more than than people are expecting if Jameis doesn't fulfill some sort of requirements uh, that are going to be asked of him, and we don't know what that is. And so, again, it's it's a story that's still developing, but it really affects the Buccaneers. We talked about the tough schedule, obviously, that they have to start the year. There's some talk that they're going to give Ryan Griffin at least a shot to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, but this is a, a big year for not just Jameis Winston, who's in the fourth year of his rookie contract, but Dirk Cutter, the coach, and general manager Jason Light. And so I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we talk about it. But let's move on uh, to our old buddy, one of the men who's going to be on later in the show. Not actually on the show, but we're going to talk about Al Riveron, who announced on Friday, you know, after flying high at our talent (laughs) summit, got some bad news that Gene Steratore has decided to retire and uh, expected to join CBS and their crew. And I'm sorry, I'm sad to hear it. Lost in Al Riveron's uh, legendary performance (laughs) at the Talent Summit was an anecdote he shared about the Super Bowl in which he said, Gene and I had a few choice words on the replay review. I think it was the Corey Clement touchdown. He said that he... Riveron didn't see the right angle that Sterator saw, so he rolled opposite of Sterator until he saw a different angle. Mm. And he said, yeah, there were some choice words between the two of us. Well, and Sterator has been involved with multiple controversial moments in the NFL history. He was the one who was on board when they decided that Des Bryant, Calvin Johnson, both did not make those catches, which, you know, that led us into a whirlwind, a year's worth of darkness <laughs> on, the, on the field. It was just some of the 10-pole moments there. I will note that um, as he does go on to CBS Sports, if that does not work out for some reason, he and his brother, Tony, also an NFL official, as I wrote this article, I did a little bit of a deep dive, own Sterator Sanatory Supplies in oh. Washington, Pennsylvania. So you have that in your back pocket if the broadcasting foray crumbles. Are these toiletries or? I would imagine it's the full service option. You know, anything you could, anything <laughs> you could ask for, they're involved with. Territory was one of the best, though. Just, I loved him. Just did that Super Bowl. I was. I thought he had done a previous Super Bowl, but I guess he hadn't. Uh, I, I did. This is the guy you want to hire, not Triplet. He's decisive. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're when you're doing the winners and losers of of this, you know, you got to say Riveron. Little bit of a loser here because he's losing Territory. CBS is the big winner that they got Territory and ESPN got Jeff Triplet. Well, there's a lot of it's, talk about like a, an officiating crisis, which I think they're lo- lo- looking for something to write in June. <laughs> but let's start there. Officiating crisis. But and I and I know West does not uh, care to see Jeff Triplet on the field. He's happy that he's not. But you also <laughs> lost Terry McCauley and Ed Hockley. And territory. That's sort of like how many referees do That's you call, when You're you watch games? Guys. You recognize their faces from years of service. It's like some big dudes are leaving. So I, this too shall pass. I think we'll, well get I, over that. I agree with you, S. Nor does not keep me up at night. But <laughs> I think people, fans, hold grudges, especially against officials. And when you have guys that have been calling games for 20, 30, 40 years, it creates that extra angst mm. that sometimes drives conversation. So I'm glad that we've mm. got some new faces, but I do look forward to a future. And I, and I hope everybody in this country keeps a job. But I, I look forward to a future where we, we don't need former officials to clarify bad calls on TV. Like, it never makes me happy. It's like, oh, yeah, look, I need, to, I need to see a friendly face. Oh, it's one of me. the biggest growing businesses <laughs> in the NFL. Like, it, the it's, economy's booming just for these jobs. Right, but it's on the NFL for having such convoluted rules, too. Right. 
And that started with the catch rule. Like, nobody could tell you what a catch was, so you had to bring in Mike Pereira to tell you. I feel like Steratar could have a little bit more personality than most. I mean, that little yes. kind of impish smile he had when he did the index card last you year. You like that as a television I, quality. Yeah, I just think he's going to be playing to the – he knew what he was doing with the index card. He was having fun. Well, his he was, explanation – He was I getting hope, a little Steratar on. I, his explanation for that specific event afterwards was completely mind-bending yeah. and had everyone completely lost. So I hope, as oh. he's being asked to come in and – you know, bring sense to this that it's not going to be stuff like that because that felt like Rus- Russian propaganda sent sideways the way he tried to describe that thing. Speaking of Russian, it's it's like the opposite of Pavlov's dog when I see these guys like, all right, let's go to let's go to you know whoever it is. It's is that like my, Pavlov's cat or yeah. something else? Yeah, it's like Pavlov's cat's just pissed off that this dog gets to keep eating all. It's like, what the, the damn bell? And so, like, I see them and it, and it means that something annoying has happened. Oh, like, that's Twitter is annoying. And now I gotta watch this guy tell me why it's annoying. Like, yeah, I know it's annoying. That's why I'm looking at your stupid face right now. I just, mm. I just make the calls better. Let's make the calls start there. That's that's, ah. a, that's a message for uh, America <laughs> to listen to closely. All right, Sterator <laughs> making the number two spot in the news. Number three is Jabbar Gaffney and Lito Shepard having a beef. It's late June, everybody. It's old beef. It's Get like, excited. Like Greg tracking down Mike Florio and trying to throw hands with him. No, I, you know we. <laughs> Me and Mike, you know, we kind of recently were at a wedding together. Uh, we we really made whatever amends needed to be made. I joined his <laughs> podcast uh, a week and a half ago. We talked it out. It was like a therapy. Yeah, but it's bound to go wrong at some point. I, I, I think it's in a, it's fine. in a nice little it's in a nice little area, but then something's gonna. I just feel something's gonna. I'm go I'm not wrong a person there. that really holds grudges and has has long beefs. I don't feel like. Did you have to enter like a dark room, like he was Brando in The Godfather, and then you have to go in and like state your case how you how the amends are gonna be made? I think our wives, you know, helped really mm. really bring it all together. I can see Greg entering that conversation from a standpoint of like, I don't need you. I don't need. Oh. You. Sorry for wow. anything I've ever done to you. <laughs> so like. If you want to forgive me, okay, but you don't influence. I see me that. At all. Yeah, I, I, we're we're in a. Much, I don't know. If that's true. Every time I've seen you with him, he's been. We cold a, to yeah, you. we get along great. We get along just fine. I didn't mean to bring up. I I hope that Lito Shepard and, and Jabbar Gaffney can someday kind of reach that sort of mm. uh, truth that that we did because uh, these two former Florida players and this story really tipped off to me from uh, Patrick Claybon's Twitter account. So I'm going to go to him next. But first, I'm going to. Explain the story, which is that Lito Shepard, former Pro Bowler, little known fact. Let's not let's let's you know he's fine. Humble brag. Um, <laughs> his vehicle was allegedly vandalized by Jabbar Gaffney. The Jacksonville Police Department got a call who said he was eating inside of the Pier Cantina in Jacksonville, great place. When his vehicle was vandalized, uh, cameras show that his former teammate Jabbar Gaffney. And Gaffney's longtime girlfriend uh, put something inside of Lito Shepard's gas tank. I mean, that's old school. The unknown female also, also, you know, by the way, walked around the vehicle and stabbed all of the tires with a sharp object. That's beef. What, what, what's going that's, on? That's real beef. And my favorite thing is if you go to Lito Shepard or Jabbar Gaffney's pro football reference page, they're listed as cousins. These guys got got huge. That could be at the heart of it. I think that girl is at the heart of it. (laughs) Oh, you think the woman's involved? People don't do girlfriends. People don't do insane things like slash tires and pour stuff in gas tanks unless there's a woman involved. But it's a long time feud. Is that right? Yeah, it said it's been going back, or at least he said to the to the cops that the ongoing feud's been going since 2012. They also went to. Uh, high school together at Reigns High School and then University of Florida where uh, Patrick Claibon's all-time favorite player, Rex Grossman. Well, it's just, you know, we just need a little Rex. We need somebody in the league. Maybe he can stop. He's just going to sling it deep, uh, not really feel too too bad about it, the, the consequences, whether it gets picked, picked off or not. You know, just mm. throw it as far as you can and, uh, and see what good stuff happens. I do agree with Wes that, um, you know, the other party is huge in this. And maybe he was there to keep her from doing something even worse. Maybe it could be right. Car could have been in flames if he was not. What there. would you put? What would you be choosing to put in, into a gas well, tank? Wait, what's in the just, gas tank? Sugar. I don't know. Rocks. Whatever's available. Could but it was a liquid. It was, it was liquid. Yeah. Poured something of liquid nature into the gas tank. 
Cars don't nine? take too kindly to non-gas going in there. So no, typically it is. use no. yeah, just use soda or something. That would be fine. Urine, there's really a, anything. There's a very cartoonish quality to this, like right, Wiley Coyote and Run Run, or a little Tom and Jerry going on here. That's yeah, why I wanted to bring it up. That and you know, it's like it just felt really random. Leader, like he drove home fine. Gathering. That's all I'm saying. Whatever you put in the gas, he did tank, not like drive home fine. He had no. to get his BMW no. taken to the shop and have fourteen thousand no. dollars worth of damage, according yeah, to man. him. Oh, inside the gas tank. The gas well, tank. The and, t- the and the tires being slashed. What kind of it's tires did he have? It was a BMW. I don't know. Which I mean, Lito Shepard yeah, but... got that big. He got a big contract two years into his career, I remember. Him and Bobby Taylor. So it was a 2007 a BMW. Deal. I'm just saying he's got, he's got some <laughs> cash. I wanted to ask you, and this is, you know, I didn't prep you guys for this question, but do, what is, do you guys have any ongoing long-term feuds that have lasted since 2000? I don't, I don't have the energy right now. I don't have the time in the day to allocate to a feud. Um, and also, I just, I, you know, no. no. I don't have any, like, Grangerfords and Shepherdfords or, or Grang- Grangersons and Shepherdfords. Was that the two families in the Mark Twain books? Anyway, I don't have anything like that, but You're I know. You're more well-read than all of us. You you and Jim Glass, of course. Oh, yeah, Jim Glass is a f- <laughs> <laughs> But that's not as long-standing. He was a gentleman I met on uh, Tybee. A gentleman. A gentleman I met on Tybee Island and heard some things He about. was a perfect gentleman to Greg. But I heard some things. Claybon doesn't seem like a guy who would have feuds. I, I don't yeah, know. You I, get into it with people on Twitter. But no, I, I don't think they. I think it would be like when the sun sets, it's over for you. Yeah, I, I don't think about them very much at all. I mean, I've got 700 people blocked. Mm. Wes's probably <laughs> oh, got me way beat there. I've probably got like 10,000. But yeah, it's just because I don't really care about anything to do with them. Large so. chunks of the population. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, all right, no need for you. Yeah, a feud, <laughs> a feud requires a second side, and you're not willing to even like. Yeah. Communicate with that person. Not at all. I uh, I settled my feud, as you guys have mentioned. I really have no feuds going on. Uh, so I guess to, to wrap up the news, and we're really using that term loosely <laughs> on this show more than I think any other, Mark Sessler <laughs> we're struggling. found a listener from the U.K., why don't you tell the story? Well, yeah, who, because who has a special tattoo, and I thought this was worthy of the news. This this um uh, plays into our ongoing feud about whether or not I won the sandwich prop, which I even somewhat agree I did not about the name, the Philly special being the biggest Super Bowl nickname play of all time because the helmet catch still stands out as a bit more iconic. But my argument was, and I know I got some buy-in from at least Wes on this that. It, it wasn't instantly, obviously, that play, but it keep, every once in a while, and it's literally almost every week, some little thing happens to add to the Philly special bucket. And I did not find this person. Sam Hoskins, a listener, found me and sent it to me um, over Instagram and said, here's my arm. And, it, you know, first time on my phone, I was like, I can't see what this is. I clicked in. It was like, Sam Hoskins had the Philly special uh, play design tattooed onto his arm. So I tweeted it out, just thought it would be a nice little... In a, in a zero NFL landscape in June. And I think they did a nice job with it. It's professionally done. It wasn't like it's something that just happened at the end of some drunken night where there's 14 men on the field or something. It was <laughs> this well, man was sober when he got the tattoo? I don't know, but who I, the tattoo artist was at least. Yes. So it, It's well done. I, I give it, it looks good. And, you know. I don't know. There probably are some helmet catch tattoos. Probably not of the X's and O's of the play, so that's maybe in your favor. Like, the play design itself is famous. Yeah, and then Colleen Wolf told us later that she was going to have the same tattoo um, tattooed onto her entire back. And then just so walk around So look out Philly, for that. Walk yeah. around Philly and have drinks paid for her for the rest of her life. I would say... She'd never pay for a drink again. Aesthetically, as the X's and O's go it's of cool. that play, it, it's it's nice and symmetrical. It's, it's a beautiful play. The helmet catch would get kind of chaotic because Eli is like <laughs> ducking under people and <laughs> seven people it's like, do you have around. the part where like, Eli egg. Manning was being held by Ty Warren for like two seconds? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Give me a break. You know what? This is totally off topic with the helmet catch, but the watching the the recap of the season that they showed us at that talent summit, it was a reminder in, in some of the plays that Al Riveron went over, how as great as the helmet catch was, the Corey Clement touchdown was unbelievable. The Nick Foles, like so many of his throws were unbelievable. And more than anything, 
the Zach Ertz third and seven touchdown to win the Super Bowl is strangely forgotten. Even by me, I'm a Patriots fan. I was like, wait, I forgot that was third and seven. Like they were two two plays away from winning the Super Bowl right there. A man scored, you know, a touchdown on that play. And Zach Ertz basically is totally mm. forgotten. Well, you're totally right, but it's like the helmet catch. It wasn't the Super Bowl though. The, the third and seven. Zach no, but it's but there were so many plays in that that like when right. you what you Took what your lead. mind goes to is like Tom Brady dropping that wide open pass. It goes to other the Philly special. It goes to other stuff that happened and just how Bill well. Bill Belichick choking in the in the biggest game. Elements like that. Year. Like we were running back and forth between our booth and Sky Sports, and we'd we'd go take the ten minute walk down to the Sky Sports booth to chat with them, and like ten to twelve to fourteen points had been scored while we were gone. Yes. You know, major turnovers. So it was just it was one of those games. The um, the way we mem- remember things tends to get skewed just based on the conversations we have after the fact. Right. Yes. And yeah. And so, like, so many things will be forgotten. Like, I um, when Derek Barnett got the strip sack, I picked up Malcolm and was running around the apartment singing Rocky Top. So, like, that's what I'll <laughs> right? And people might forget the strip sack. People might forget that, that hey, they, it was another Super Bowl where the Patriots had a Hail Mary that could have been caught, you know. And yeah, that right. It changed yeah. everything. And all, we wouldn't remember the Phillies special. And, like, history is just weird like that, but. Yeah. Right, and I'm and I'm kind of glad that people will forget the Ertz play because one of my favorite Patriots of all time, Devin McCourty, thankfully has kind of stayed out of the off the mm. radar for that play where he basically just you know tripped, just kind of fell. Am I the it's only unfortunate? One, it was unfortunate. Am I the only one in here without a tattoo? No, no tattoos on me. Oh, okay. Mark and I do. I do. I want my back. And it's it's a minor one. I would put it at that. Yeah, but it's minor. It is a tattoo. Mine's minor as well. I think we've gone over it at some point on what, this podcast. What constitutes a major tattoo? Just the size. I mean, mine's I think like one of these small, and no one ever sees right. it because it's like on my shoulder blade, you know, in the back. So like a gaudy one where you have like a three foot King Kong Bundy etched onto your <laughs> butt or something. <laughs> All right, Bundy buns, and uh, that's it for the news. Or is it? Patrick Claibon with some breaking news about the supplemental draft. Michael Signora announcing the date for the 2018 supplemental draft. It is July 11th, 2018 at 1 o'clock p.m. Get your supplemental draft on the 11th of July. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Looking forward to Henry's annual mock supplemental draft. Well, we're going to be doing, since there's so little going on, clearly, we're just <laughs> going to do three shows previewing all the possibilities of the supplemental. And go pick by pick. Up. You know, go pick by pick is what, what are potential options for teams looking for that one or two players that might come out of this, if not zero. That's how that's how barren the landscape is today. That was the <laughs> off the top. That was your break, your news. Yeah, the, that really the got The on camera of our last news hit was the schedule for the supplemental draft. All right. Uh, well, that that wraps up the news. And now we've we've got to the part of the show that people have been waiting for. You don't know who won in the offseason yet you don't know who is on top who's going to be crowned the offseason champion but you're going to by the end of this show we're going through it bracket style a committee of judges the four people in this room let's be honest we're the committee we decided on eight potential offseason champions and it is an honor, I think, just to make it into this bracket on some level. They're yeah, we've good. left hundreds of potential storylines on the cutting room floor basically due to lack of time to prepare for this. Right, or, yeah, just total lack of professionalism. So we we, <laughs> we did a bracket. We figured it out. There's no seeds involved because that would sort of almost – we'd have to figure out who we like. More preparation. It's all, just, <laughs> it's all just random. But if you're at home and you have a quarterfinal bracket that you want to fill out with us – why wouldn't you? I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm Play not gonna home. stop you. Do it your way. Hit the pause on. Hit the pause button right now. Yeah. Go fill it out on a poster board. It, yeah. There are eight eight different entities. Pull over. Pull over. <laughs> we know you got some scrap paper. And should, yeah. should we announce the whole bracket at once and then go through it, or just start going through each? I matchup? say announce the whole bracket so people have an overview. Yeah, of, right. Of think who's involved. They, can, they right. can kind of pick the team or imagine the yourself to be like an audio version of like CBS Sports showing the bracket on TV, or if this were some information we could have potentially <laughs> tweeted out before okay. the show. Fans there might we go. choose who they want to be aligned with before it all gets started. I love right. the theme music. It makes me think of like yeah. Columbo's tripping on acid. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's just traipsing through the streets of Los Angeles. Wait, yeah, we, who is going to be yes. the, the Charles Barkley of this bracket analysis who clearly has no idea about any of the teams involved? Little NCAA tournament selection. I mean, I feel like I could slip into that yeah, role. Okay. I could okay. always do that. All right, let's start at the top of the bracket. Uh, a lot of talk, a lot of heat on this podcast. The Chicago Bears open up their first round matchup against the trade tsunami. Mm. Two chances uh, to be offseason champions right there. <laughs> Great looking matchup there. In the same bracket, this is a loaded top half of the dry, I have to admit. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, after uh, being involved in that trade tsunami, adding so many different pieces, kind of an it team. But can they take out Chris Wesseling, who has made it into the bracket as the offseason champion over Mark's objection? Mark, <laughs> no, why did you not want I, We can dig into it when we actually dig into that matchup. Uh, believe me, it comes from a place of, of, of goodness. It's just about the, sh- the segment itself. It was controversial. Wes, Wes getting in there. Can he take on an entire organization? We're going to find out. Uh, unlike the CBS election show, we're not going to like draw this out and go on a commercial break or like talk to the, the Big Ten commissioner right now. Let's give you the next matchup. It's Zach Martin of the Dallas Cowboys. Why is he in this? I'm not totally sure, but Clayman's going to explain it a little <laughs> later. He's got a tough first-round matchup. The guy no one wanted to draw, Al Riveron. Go, Ouch. Ooh, oh. Zach oh, Bye-bye. Sorry. Curtains for Zach there's Martin. A, there's, well, it, it's going to be tough. I'll see you, what I can do, man. You never know. And then finally, uh, two – Two entities near and dear uh, to Mark Sessler's heart. The Cleveland Browns have made it into the bracket facing up against uh, Kirk Cousins. In oh, interesting, an interesting uh, – that's the late 11 p.m. East Coast game that you've yeah. got to be watching it. That's like you got to stay up on the West Coast. It's late. Everyone's yeah. just kind of wild in the crowd. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a sneaky best matchup. Bill Walton's calling the game. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start, I guess, uh, with the Chicago Bears taking on – Oh, yeah. This is the Chicago Bears' official introductory music, taking on uh, the trade tsunami. And uh, clearly the lack of preparation is going to come in, you know, very obvious here because Chris Wessling's going to tell us uh, why the Chicago Bears are, are a strong candidate to advance past this round. Well, you start with the coaching change, that you go from a much maligned in this studio particularly John Fox, who is at the top of Greg's list of least favorite coaches during his tenure following the NFL. He's near it, yeah. You bring in that conservative – Brad You take out that conservative voice and you bring in a bright offensive mind who can make this team fun to watch, work with their hand-chosen franchise quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Then you bring in a number one receiver in Allen Robinson, a move tight end in Trey Burton, a one of my favorite draft picks in Anthony Miller, the second-round wide receiver – a gadget receiver who can burn you deep or allow you to use creative concepts in Taylor Gabriel. Uh, On defense, you get Roquan Smith, who looks like Mm -hmm. a defensive rookie of the year favorite right off the bat. Aaron Lynch, who is a underrated offseason signing early in his 49ers career when he was working with Vic Fangio, Mm. was supposed to be going a bit too far, making a big deal out of Aaron Lynch, but yeah, continue. We'll we'll talk about that in November. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, basically all of that. Everything's going well for the Bears. They look like the best chance to go 2017 Rams on the NFL. And, and so much like the Rams. Like, I think Ryan Pace, you know, you burn through a coach. Uh, there have been some ups and downs there. He wasn't getting along with the coaching staff before Fox left. That it was like, what's the Ryan Pace experience? I'm not totally sold because the Bears have been one of the harder-to-watch teams in the league. But like Les Snead, when you get that coach, and if it works, and you suddenly have that quarterback, and they've done a nice job of adding players that fit – the Negi scheme, if we don't want to go Negi, we'll go Negi well, there. Well, it's another, I think, point in favor of the Bears. The, the whole, mysterious the whole last Nagy, name. Nagy thing. We liked him. We met him. Yeah. So we're easily influenced. We're, we're, yeah. We, our resistance is very low after meeting him. We've been won over. So, Patrick, yeah, and, you can understand that. And he has no issue entertaining that conversation still, which is obviously no, a conversation no. he's had his entire mm-hmm. life. I love it. You know, one of the things I think that's in the Bears' favor is kind of what Wes mentioned in that they've been so – such a, a pox on the league for so long. Wow, a team that's that strong. You didn't, a team you didn't. <laughs> they really have residual in, John Fox. He, well, their fan, fans are the pox. first to say it. Not a pox, but I. You guys famously make fun of me that I'm like, oh, I'm excited to watch every game, every team, and that's for the most part true. You, no one gets excited about but, bad games right, like you do. The mid season, pretty much 
by week four or five, everyone was tired of watching the Bears too often over the last few years. And now we've got a team, even if they're winning a lot of games, uh, they're going to be fun. And another thing that works out in Nagy's favor is the the accumulation of bad mm. that was with the franchise. That kind of last year you saw some spots of hope yep. that yep. came before him, but still because of so much of that previous bad, it still feels like so, the road is farther to go. Here, here's what we're overlooking, though. The trade tsunami, which, you know, we got to move through these things, but, like, <laughs> trade tsunami was, you, was sort of created by someone in this room. Greg kind of came up with Popularized trade tsunami, them. and it went out. It got all over the Internet. And so, you know, I kind of think that as a little – Greg's not going to quickly give up on the concept. Not going to have that thing washed away this quickly Ooh. by the Bears. There well, is – Go ahead, Patrick. Well, I was just going to say credit to Greg for not highlighting the fact that it was something that he birthed from his own loins <laughs> that ended up happening. Uh, and then I don't know if the trade tsunami happens if not for mm. Greg Rosenthal. No, so you think Did wow? You, you think the Rams heard the term and they just started making trades? I, they, you can't control trades. a tsunami yeah, once, once it, it starts going. Yeah. Patriot. Timeline-wise, Greg, that's exactly what happened. I, the Rams read the article and said we have to reorganize how we're thinking about this. Offseason. I like that. There and is. one one final point, or at least one point in the in the tsunami's favor. It's like the Bears have been around forever. We always hear, oh, it's the 157th meeting between the Bears and the Packers. <laughs> it's the first time we've ever heard of the trade tsunami. Right. It's fresh, it's, it's fresh, new, it's, it's destructive. New. That's the sound of a, an offseason jam. I, I still think the Bears are heavy favorites here, but one more point <laughs> okay. in the trade tsunami's favor. After a rough season in the NFL with a lot of off-the-field issues, a lot of politicking, a, there were a lot of comparisons to, hey, the NBA is fun, and the NBA offseason is really fun. This was an NBA-style offseason for the NFL during March. That's a great point. We got to vote. It was big. It was, I think, big for the NFL to have that sort of pop. Uh, are we going to vote? I, I have a feeling it's going to be unanimous, but let's just go around the room here, Mark. I'm going trade tsunami. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm surprised there. I'm going bears. I'm going trade tsunami as well. Wow. Wow. I'm going to go Bears, actually. I have to be be totally fair in in my viewpoint. I mean, they they kind of fit the profile. So, what are we have? We have something in this case, Mark. That you can yeah, so we got what we have an option to do, and as we build out the longest segment in podcast history, <laughs> it'll be fine. You're um, so concerned. Is about we it. can we're get fine. on the phone and we're gonna call. We're gonna try to see if this person answers. But just you know, various friends of the show, let's try to call Emma VP and see if she might be able to weigh in on this. <laughs> She's with gonna a decide. Decided. Vote. She's gonna if decide. she answers. All right, quick peek behind the curtain. We we have tried to call Erica Tamposi and Emma VP. We didn't tell them ahead of time. Apparently, it's the lunch hour at the NFL. I did so, warn them that a f- call could be coming, so I'm quite annoyed with them. At so the let's Ooh. let's try the uh, the NFL news desk. We know they, they have, don't answer. They what's have, going on? They have to answer. It's June 25th, 50 50 chance. News desk. Matt. Uh, uh, yeah, Matt. This is Greg with the Around the NFL podcast. Can you put Austin Knobloch, a.k.a. El Chapo Blanco, on the line? Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Four yards and a touchdown. It's a seamless and transition to Pope. Austin. Yellow. All right, Austin. Hey, uh, what's up, man? This is, this is Greg of the Around the NFL podcast. We saw each other earlier, had some free sandwiches. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, doing good. Yeah, those sandwiches were good. Yeah, we had a good time. Yeah. One <laughs> One quick point I want to make. Any? Are you upset at all, Austin, uh-huh. as uh, the probably the person who's been making big-time news decisions down there the longest, uh, that David Ely's gotten so much pop on this podcast where, where you have not? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing fine. Everything, everything's good, you know. It's, it's nothing, you know, he, we're trying to help Ely become uh, Wes's best man. So, you know. Okay. Translation, what, 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 he is furious. I've spoken <laughs> with him offline. He's, he's called El Chapo Blanco because yeah. he sounds all nice to you in person, and then he'll put a knife in your back Just when you're not looking. Rip your hands out. All right, Austin, oh, oh. we're asking yes. you to help mm-hmm. us. Uh, we're trying to determine an off-season news champion on mm-hmm. this podcast, just an off-season champion. We have a tie vote. We need you to break the tie. Okay. Who do you think should advance in this tournament, the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. or the Trade Tsunami? One or the other, which one is, is more of an off-season champion? Oh, uh, Trade Tsunami. Trade Tsunami. <laughs> wow. Thank you. El Chapo yeah. Blanco lowers the boom. He doesn't, Check that he doesn't box hesitate. Perfectly. That's why he's in the big chair. Thanks, Nobby. Yes, no problem, no problem. We'll All see right. you. 
Bye. All right, let's now move on to our second of nine matchups. <laughs> let's not be so quick to move on from Nobby, who needs to be back on this podcast yeah. more often. Factoid. Nobby's amazing. Mark is so worried about this. I'm not worried. I'm just. Round. I have. I have like we'll, my own energy level to keep we'll, up. We'll pick so. it. We'll pick up the pace. All right. Next is a, a matchup uh, that the odds makers really got excited about when they first saw it. <laughs> no doubt. The Los Angeles Rams going up against one of Los Angeles's adopted sons. Chris Wesley. This is the Los Angeles Rams. They're adding new players. They're they're getting all the paraphernalia in the party city above the grocery store that I go to. No Chargers paraphernalia, no Raiders, it's all Rams. They're taking over. This is a tough matchup because this is my fiance's favorite team. Mm. She was a St. Louis fan, Rams fan, moved to Los Angeles, now a huge Los Angeles Rams fan, I, and they do excite me more than any team in the league right now. But then again, it, it's got to be tough for you too because they're going up against Chris Wesseling. And right for our our new listeners to the show, <laughs> uh, he's a man who loves Emmy Lou Harris, and he's had a big offseason. Not only kicking uh, the big C uh, all around the yard, got engaged, got a new house, and just been has living it up uh, around the country and around the town. I. To be totally frank, I used to weep. I would break down and weep over how grueling the cancer surgery and the recovery was for months, and mostly for how bleak the future looked. Mm. That I wasn't going to be able to live life, to really live, not just to survive, but to have a glass of wine, to you know go out and watch the sunset. And now I weep because my cup overfloweth. Life is good. I am happy. I No matter whether I beat the Rams here or not, I feel really good about my chances for sustained happiness. Let me tell you, it's a wrap for the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, this is what I don't, was your issue, Mark. Uh, into I mean, it. listen, I, I Wes has done a nice job. I think the Rams have done a nice job, too. But I don't know what kind of – how do I sell myself as Wes's friend? I, you know, David Ely's trying to get – into the best man scenario at his wedding. I just would like to be invited. But if I knock him out of the first round of this tournament by going Rams, who already feel – I like the Rams, but it's like, I get it. I, I get it with the Rams. We Everyone in everyone NFL Network loves the Rams. We like them, Because we're going to roll right down and hang it on their campus. But it's like, let's be real. Wes, Wes over the Rams in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's an easy uh, pull to Wes here. Uh, mm. The Rams have benefited from other teams. You know, making some mistakes, <laughs> in my belief, and more power to you, but mm. Wes overcame things on his own. He didn't need anybody else to I wouldn't say that. To <laughs> well, I mean, you needed other people. I needed look, other people, yes. And absolutely, but those people were there because of, you know, the things that you'd built up as a person. The house, Yeah, and the house can't be underrated. Piggy bank That's, of credibility. <laughs> the house that Wes uh, has moved into can't be underrated in his uh, chances to be the offseason champion. Oh, I'll say, you know what? You know what likes houses? Tsunamis. Just be careful. Oh, That's oh. your second round Ooh. matchup. It you could be. In the we, second I round. don't know. I haven't totally. If we get there. I haven't totally counted out the Rams here. I mean, Wes. Yeah, he he added uh, the Paramore to the mix. What a big pickup! Uh, but the Rams, you know, they added a lot of people. Uh, Akib Talib, Marcus Peters. Just in terms of sheer numbers, they they brought a lot to their roster. Do they have an enjoy every sandwich hashtag? No. Or a list of the perfect food items I've been able to eat this year. I mean, I'm I, I like the Rams, but they are not having the offseason. And, and Wes, Wes isn't like embellishing. We there was a uh, not only you're having such a good offseason that you're gonna you go out to the club now. We somehow <laughs> after the NFL party on Thursday night, uh, Mark West, the Paramour, and, and uh, a handful of others ended up at at some sort of dance dance. Uh, Hall? <laughs> I don't even know yes, what was did. going on. And that's when I knew. And now in West and, and outside of it, he was he was uh, commenting his cup runneth over. Yeah. it's Life is just great. And I, I I feel good no matter what happens, if the Rams beat me, if the trade tsunami beats me. By the way, I've become such good friends with my neighbor in a week. We have a one we have a one story house. I just go over to their roof next door because they've built it up. And <laughs> then I'll just ride out the tsunami. Just wow. just keeps winning. <laughs> And the, the Rams have been – they're okay. out. So even though, even though uh, Mark w- did not want Wes in this tournament, <laughs> I, he, he's moving Wes to the next I think round. the listener is familiar with half-baked narratives that this show tends to cook up. That is one of them. <laughs> All right. All right. We're just going to move – we're going to move on uh, Wes uh, by imminent decree. Let's move on to the next matchup. Zach Martin 
going up against the man no one wanted to face, Al Riveron. But first, uh, Claybon, who who suggested Zach Martin. Oh, here he yeah. Goes. See, I, I like the techno for Zach Martin because you look at the 2014 NFL Draft. Jadavian Clowney wants a new deal. Okay. Spectacular player hasn't gotten one. Odell Beckham Jr., one of the best players in the league, hasn't gotten his deal. Aaron Donald, arguably the best football player in the National Football League. We're sitting there talking about West locking it up. Why, why don't the Rams just go ahead and lock this up? Mm. But Zach Martin misses OTAs like two days. And all of a sudden, Jerry and company are like, you know what? We got to give you $40 million. <laughs> Julio Jones, it's like, oh, how dare Julio missed? What is Julio doing? He's tearing the team apart. But Zach Martin, it's cool, baby. We got your money, man. You're playing guard. Mm. These other guys can't get paid. But hey, you know what? $40 million. Zach Martin moves the needle. He's not a man to be trifled with. They did not want to get on his bad side. Mm. I didn't know where you were going to go with the Zach Martin thing, and I'm, I like it. I'm pleased with where you went. It was a, a you. compelling argument. Thank when you're you. a, when you're a guy that like most people couldn't pick out of a lineup, and you're suddenly one of the highest paid players in the NFL, uh, you're a winner. I mean, I think he was an off season champion the day he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Because if you're gonna get if you're going to become a great player, that's a good team to get drafted by because you're going to get paid. You can just be even maybe a mediocre player and you're going to get paid. So if you're as good as Zach Martin, uh, you're going to win off seasons all over the place. But he's got a tough matchup. I mean, he's got Al River. He's coming off of an epic performance. All right, Al's, Al's getting it there. He's coming off an epic performance at the NFL Talent Summit. And not just demonstrating to a room of us that he's a real man's man. Uh, but he helped solve the catch rule, perhaps? We're pretty confident in that these rule changes this offseason, they're going to last. They got some pop. It's definitely an improvement. Uh, I think anyone could, almost anyone who appreciates like a certain type of personality in this country or beyond could look at Al Riveron and say, yeah, I get, I get why this guy captures a room. The one issue with Zach Martin is you're attached to a team that it's you're not you don't have casual Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans are highly annoying, and most people that aren't attached to the Cowboys can't stand the Cowboys and aren't that excited about one of their players just hitting bank. Al Riveron's sort of a man of the people who would elicit an entirely different type of reaction, and he may, it's a tough it's a tough matchup for for your guy Patrick Laybon Zach Martin. Al is uh, I, I missed the performance. <laughs> oh, I, it's, I, oh, see, I don't even I think you would even. I have huge FOMO from the talent summit. This I time. could try to simulate what happened with the Al River. I can give you some quotes because I've written them down. <laughs> sure, and then try to explain how badass Al River on is. Starts with he shows a video of play, and the analysis is not good. We want that out of the game. NFL former NFL legends, all in the audience are are you know critiquing his. His viewpoint on this, they've got questions. Why is it out of the game? Talking about the lowering the head rule, which he really turned me around on. Now I'm, I'm all in on everything he said. We cannot ignore the data we have. The video we've seen is his response. It's about choices. If you choose to make contact with your helmet, you are out of the game. Dion quibbled. Hang on a second there, Dion. Allow me to answer the second part of this question. He's <laughs> shutting down Dion Sanders. He shuts down a Hall of Fame reporter a second later. Uh process of the catch is over he says <laughs> pulls up the des bryant play and he goes des finally caught it he's, mm. he's got the whole room working and I, then yeah. here here's he shows the gronk play he needs to be tossed we don't do it it's not acceptable <laughs> he needs to be tossed the best is he puts on the danny trevathan play where he's about to square up Devonte adams in the big monday night football game trevathan gets two steps into his approach He's still 10 feet away from Devontae Adams. Riveron hits the pause button, says, we've seen enough, we've seen enough, and walks off the stage. He made his point. Two steps into that play, he knew Trevathan had bad intentions and was already lowering his helmet. Uh, I'm sold. And then Greg okay. says via text, after all this, that's my president. Yeah. <laughs> as far as an individual accomplishment, yeah. I, I, you know, I can't fight that. You, 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 you brought up a good, a good challenger, but you just, you're, you're, you're not being there hurt you here because you have the yeah. three like disciples in the room. Well, the kickoff, the kickoff rule, I'm, I'm convinced is going to be interesting. And he, and the lowering the head rule, which I know some people think, how is this going to be called? As he explained it, I, it made me feel better about it. Maybe they're going to tweak some things in the future, but it was certainly important I think to do that versus not doing anything and the way that he really talked about it convinced me that it is going to have changes not just at the NFL but down through the college and the high school and the and the youth level so I think we just river on in a walk right now the line that really sold me on Al Riveron was 
he said, at what point do you say no moss with replay? I don't have to tell you guys we are in the entertainment business. Mm. That was music to my ears that at least somebody knows that the momentum of the game, of the sport, matters more than whether you get a 50-50 call right. Uh, Riveron is through to the semis. <laughs> and uh, my favorite subplot of this game is watching uh, Mark get more and more antsy about how long it is taking. Uh, it is. And we now, are in minute 47 we're, we're of this. We're fine. Thing. We're fine. And uh, now we kick it. The, the semis, I can, I can, feel, I can just feel it. like the wave of text messages coming from Dan. Since since uh, he's not going to listen to us, is he? <laughs> Probably no. not. Si- since uh, we've already gonna heard about all these candidates for offseason champion, I feel like the semis and the finals will go quick. But yeah. y- you've got two candidates here in the Cleveland Browns and Kirk Cousins. This is probably the toughest matchup to call of the first round. And why don't we start off with the uh, Cleveland Browns? Well, right, we each we each had two to pitch, and mine showed up against each other in the same in the same match. So it's kind of like yes, screwed. But I think I think these are two clear contestants. We know what Cleveland's done this offseason, and we know the awful history. And all I'd ask you to do is when you go and you click and you look at what they have added, but what they are at this point on offense and what they are on defense. Now, part of that is what they would need to be because there's, uh, there's question marks. And you took the, Clint, the name Cleveland Browns off the team. You put them in a totally different uniform and just said, this is a roster heading into this season. I think people might think of it a little bit more differently, that there's a lot of more balance here than there has been in the past. And w- w- Tyrod Taylor, I'm not calling him a patch, but he's obviously not the future. But they, but they love him for this season. And if Baker Mayfield turns up to be, and this is the 18th rookie quarterback they've drafted, but he feels a little different to me. But I'm I have I'm too caught up in all this to to even know. But I do like the pieces here, and I think the Cleveland versus a lot of hollow winning the offseason things. I feel like a lot has happened here where mm. they aren't last year's team. The problem is you've got no left tackle. What kind of year did he pick to retire with Joe Thomas? Can you be and, an offseason champion when you lose your best player by far? That's a huge question, and you still have to find out if you if you have the right coaching staff when the answer right now veers towards no. So it's not perfect, but all these teams that won the offseason, like a few, like the Rams are Super Bowl contender, like the Browns, we, we have to look at teams that went from where they were to where they are now. They picked up a lot of ground, mm. barring disaster. And then with Kirk Cousins, give me a break. The guy has never won a playoff game, and I like Kirk Cousins a lot, and I like the player. He has made over a hundred and he, he's on tap to make over $130 million having never won a playoff game as a quarterback. I don't, I don't think he's happy about that. That's why I like Kirk Cousins a lot, but on paper, in terms of family planning for the next 70 to 80 generations in the Cousins household, he is a winner. That family is winning. He also finally has an organization that would commit to him. I think he's got a good... After right. Two, that, two or three years. That's of the a Redskins Super Bowl level team to too that, that, yeah, that made a commitment. That, so that you couldn't pick a, a more talented receiver group to join. And I think what Wes said is really important in that Jake Rudin always it was like he had his arm around Kirk, but he never really like gave him a big hug. You know, it was, yep. it was I think he was a little ambivalent. That's revisionist history. Jake Rudin went out on a limb to say how great yes. Kirk Cousins was, to say we have a franchise quarterback, to say the front office should be locking him up, to say it. So many teams in the NFL need quarterbacks. We have one. We need to lock him up. I think Bruce he Allen. loved Kirk Cousins until the moment it looked like Kirk Cousins wasn't going to sign with the Redskins. Mm. And then that day, you started to hear Jay Gruden say some stuff bad about Kirk well, Cousins. One thing I've I've noticed is how Scott McLuhan, after the fact, says Jay Gruden is, has one of the best minds in terms of personnel of any coaches. And he's basically implied that he's been the one calling the shots since the day McLuhan left. I, just, that, I flat out do not believe that. There's no way the stuff that Jay Gruden was saying about Kirk Cousins, he was telling the front office he wanted him signed publicly saying it, that. I just don't believe it. And I and I think that's what. But either way, that's one of the reasons. Why I think Kirk Bruce Cousins Allen's did not want to sign. Yes, Kirk I agree. With, I think we're the place. winner because we don't have to type any more Redskins yeah. Kirk yeah. Cousins stories or discuss it again. I think working there and speaking publicly about the situation there puts you in a tenuous spot. Yeah, and it's tough to extract a lot of what things mean what people say about working there while they're working there. That's if, a, that, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I think that's one of the reasons Cousins could be seen as such a huge winner because I think the Vikings organization has been stable in terms of their front office. I think they have a coach that the players all love. Not that Jay Gruden was, is, is a coach that people don't like, but Mike Zimmer is, is a player's coach. And I think he's going to an organization where I think the players are, are treated well, and it's just it's a more stable organization. 
I, I would pick Cousins over the Browns, and I'm not trying to be cute. It's just that with Cleveland, you really have to prove that all these things are real. And we saw that the Vikings, even without Cousins, with a different quarterback, were a Super Bowl-level team. And I think they filled the one question mark they had. I think the Browns have a in a seven- or eight-win roster, but they've had a coaching staff that has underachieved as much as, as any coaching staff in the league over the last two years. And since they're still there, I'm going Cousins, too. I've seen this episode so many times. The Browns offseason episode. I it's mean, better I know. this year. This is a good-looking team. They're that's that's great, but they still have an owner who stepped in to make to make or nullify bad trades, mm. who gets involved in the football operation, and they still have a head coach who's 1-31 and a defensive coordinator that has people scratching their heads about what he's doing. Yeah, the, the Browns offseason is based on hope, but like that, those checks have are going to clear. Like that money is in Kirk's account. Got to wow. prove it. Got to prove true. it. It looks like Cousins moves on. Uh, you know, some teams left left out of the – might be wondering, maybe they should have gotten into this. You know, I don't know who it could have been. Titans? Ravens? There weren't really – Eagles? Any. I'm sure they're Eagles? reeling. They are reeling right now Eagles. trying to pick up the pieces franchise-wise. We, <laughs> we are into the semifinals. Uh, it's, it's frankly a matchup people did not see coming. Mm. The trade tsunami getting past the Bears – in going up against Chris Wesseling. And I think this really gets to the larger question here uh, that Mark brought up. Can anyone vote against Wes? And and I think I think the answer is this is the NFL's offseason championship, and it's supposed to be the NFL as a whole. It's not just our corner of it. And so that's why I think a trend like the trade tsunami, it's at least got a shot. You got to give it a chance. At best, it has a shot. I mean, it barely <laughs> got out of the first round. We had to call Austin Knobloch to settle the tie. Half the room Tough did not believe though. in trade tsunami over the Bears. I I don't see how a one time, not that it couldn't be happening down the road, but a two or three week, uh, you know, spike in behavior amongst front office people tops Wes's scenario. The, Could be lasting, though. Trade tsunami, maybe it's... No, here's the thing. The tsunami came in. It wreaked havoc. It, it did its damage for March. April and May, where you been? I've been out enjoying life. <laughs> tsunami took the past two months off. I mean, it's... It subsided, and here I am sitting high on Westchester Hill, dry as a bone. <laughs> it, in defense of the tsunami, I, I view it as an accomplishment, as a prediction by Greg Rosenthal, mm. first and foremost. That's how I got here. And and he, he crushed it. <laughs> I voted for the Bears. You know, It got through <laughs> for, right, just for, felt like for, for merit. But uh, So are we just going to move Wes along to, to the final? Unless series? both of you are picking no, Tsunami go and we're West. calling yeah, someone. Going it's, yeah. it's clearly Wes. Wes is into the finals. And I think he's going to have a tough matchup in the finals, just looking at it. Uh, whether it's Al Riveron or Kirk Cousins, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, but I, I think like you put those two guys in a room, Riveron and Cousins, only one of them comes out, I'm taking Riveron. I feel the exact same way. I, What we beheld, that performance, to hold a room of that magnitude of those specific personalities in one hand and do whatever you want with it, that's what Riveron did. Well, let me, let me ask you one other thing. Let's just say this is the pretext to Kirk Cousins being one of the richest athletes on the planet – um, winning a Super Bowl with the Vikings. Guaranteed money. Changed the game with that contract. There you go. And and everyone thinks that the Philly Super Bowl was a big deal, and it was because that city has not had anything like that ever. But what if you go do that for the city, or the, the state of Minnesota, the city of Minneapolis, and those Vikings fans well, then the who have been through hell? They, I, I love Al Riveron, but Al Riveron is an official, and by nature, how much do we love officials? My, my thing is there's so many conversations that we all have where we lay awake at night like, ah, I wish I would have said that. But Riveron does this on a stage where there's Hall of Famers, and he basically nails every conversation. But even then, if you were to ask me, would I nail every conversation that I've ever had, or would I rather have $84 million? <laughs> I'm going to take the money. Yeah. <laughs> i got to go with Kirk. Uh, wow, that's interesting. You know, Cousins, uh, you know, you mentioned what could happen, but that to me, that's the season. That's when they do. That hasn't happened that yet. Do, that's when they do keep score. And – this is the off season, and I'm leaving this off season. I'm I'm thinking Riveron is is a man of the off season, not only for the performance that he had, but for the change I think that he's going to bring. You know, lasting change in a time of of political gridlock. Riveron <laughs> brings change. Riveron, 2020. Are we are we voting here? I think Mark. we're. F- I'm fine Mark. with Riveron. I'm voting Riveron. I, I'm you you had cousins, but I think Riveron moves on three to one and. We're into the finals. 
And uh, I think Wes has to be a little worried here. I am. <laughs> Wes, I think you I'm not sure who I'm voting for here. <laughs> I think uh, when we're determining the offseason champion, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I at first when we thought of this exercise, it was going to be all teams. We're just going to decide which team. And now we, we get to the finals, and it's just two two men standing there. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the case for Riveron at least includes that Wes, Wes has brought joy to – Everyone that knows him and his his fans and certainly his friends, his family. Al Riveron could be out there changing lives for young kids <laughs> playing football, making it the sport safer with some of these rule changes and changing thousands and thousands of lives into the future with some of the rules that he's helped uh, to oversee. There's a line from a poem that has haunted me my entire adult life. All my life, my heart has sought something I cannot name. And before cancer, before I met Lakeisha, I didn't know what that thing was, but it was sense of peace. And now I have that thing that my heart cannot name. It's a sense of peace with myself. Mm. I no longer rage against the world. But here's the upset. I have fewer insecurities now. Ron, Al Riveron has zero insecurities. He's a man walking around <laughs> happy, full of life. He doesn't have to question anything because he knows he's right. Mm. He, there are no insecurities in that man, and that's a fine way to walk through life. Well, I don't know if we know that about El <laughs> Like that, that's a bit of a leap. But um, <laughs> it, there was a moment during this during the media summit where the room was basically told, like, whatever th- you think you've been through in the past year, look at Wes. And like that was from John Marvel down in the newsroom, and the entire place stood up and clapped, and they meant it. So I think that the room told you who won this. Mm. So that was that was the reason that you stood so strongly against West getting into this tournament was that was that you just thought it would be a walk for, for him to the I do think it's a walk and that's that that shouldn't be put through the wrong prism it's like <laughs> this story is more powerful than trades or Zach Martin making a bank and eating like Mexican food in Dallas you know and, and not having to pay for it so <laughs> why doesn't he have to pay? Because it? it's like it just comes. He'll never. It's like you at that point, you're so rich. You're taking money. 20 people out to dinner and it doesn't even the, appear in your bank. Account. Well, he's long gone. Riveron dispatched him and uh, he's made it to the finals. Are we is there any chance here? Riveron can win. I think so. I, yeah, I do, too. Well, no, you have to vote against him to, to make that. happen. Yeah, I mean, you guys are going to have a big say in that. I I can't imagine. I'm sure somebody might have had a better offseason than Wes. Uh, in the world, but as far as in the NFL community, I, I, we would have heard about it. I yeah. I, <laughs> and he, and you, Riveron's about to lose his fifth official. You can we can we look at this objectively? You've, you've made and one thing about that Wes has done in and uh, the Paramore is uh, you've made sure to I think enjoy it each stop along the way. It's not just like flying you by where you're just having this <laughs> great time and like you're kind of not you know totally appreciating it it's like you're you seem you seem like you're appreciating every minute to to the point where mark talked about when they asked me to stand up at the talent summit how do you cheer for a bon vivant Mm. the way i've been living my life lately i don't deserve the cheers (laughs) it's the guy in november and december who deserves the cheers you know but but yeah i'm i i think you deserve them that's I am probably enjoying life a little too much where it seems a little like flagrant (laughs) you're stealing (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I am enjoy. I am taking this off season away from whoever was gonna yeah. <laughs> steal it. All right, in this instance, it's Al Riveron. It's a strong, yeah. it's a strong case here. I think Mark. Al Riveron's gonna sleep tonight, despite the results. Mark again. Yeah, who's your vote here? My vote is Wes. Okay, Wes. Yeah, I think the fact that I'm just gonna be thoroughly, completely happy, regardless of the results, means that I'm the winner. Mm. Like, I don't even have to worry about who wins. Clayvon, yeah. take us home. Chris Wesley. <laughs> you know, I thought it would have been really, really funny if in the end Riveron took you out. Or even if, like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, Wes, you've done well, but the Browns did add Jarvis Landry. <laughs> you know, it's like we have to give it to them. But yeah. uh, I guess I guess that's it. We have to crown him offseason uh, champion Chris Wesley. Puts me on par with, like, the 2015 Browns. I think I think we learned a lot today. I think it was a great discussion. It was. And uh, you're not eligible. 
Well, I guess that, should we make a rule he's not eligible for next offseason? If you could somehow top this offseason, well, I don't again, want I don't yeah. want my mind to go where I would have to go in order to top it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's fair. I I think it's going to be a tough title to defend, but we're bringing this one back. I don't care what the list. It's is. a special champion this this year. <laughs> Before uh, we got to mock up a trophy. Very rich here. <laughs> Can't wait till some British guy gets a tattoo of me on his arm. Yeah, someone. I want someone to. That'll get, be happening by Saturday. Now, I want, now I want, that you said it, yeah, I want someone definitely. to send uh, out a, the tattoo of the bra- the entire bracket. With <laughs> so that would be because it's been a special. It's been a special episode, or at least some so. sort of Photoshop of the bracket. You should tweet your on. your work that you've been keeping. There. Okay, I will. Somebody Maybe will get I'll that send tattoo. it out. I did a or really bad bracket. Someone here. could just get a tattoo that says it's about me. <laughs> that would be. Amazing. Well, we've done it. Uh, Claybon, thanks for coming in. Well, you've, you're you in, but thanks for coming up here, and thanks for preventing any breaking news from happening over the last few hours. Hey, uh, you know, I did what I could. I, I got the supplemental draft stuff out of the way, and All right. that's carried us. And, of, of course, congratulations to Chris Wesseling, the 2018. This is right up there with the Shecky Award champion. Let's, let's play some music. Well, let's go out with this music. All right. For Mark Sessler. Chris Wesseling and Patrick Claibon. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We will be back on Thursday. See you then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.